Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cyber Inspiration Podcast. My name is Evgeny. I've been around security for the last 20 years, and I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors. My main work is vendor consulting and cybersecurity advisory. As part of my passion in technology and cyber, I always intrigued to learn how a company starts. I started the podcast to understand the thinking process and what motivated people to start their own company. This podcast is also affiliated with Security Architecture Podcast. I have a pleasure today to have Stacy on a podcast to talk about her journey and her motivation. Hello. Stacy, thank you for being here. Maybe you can tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for having me. I have been in the cybersecurity field now for almost eight years at a variety of national, multinational, household recognizable companies in the financial sector, been in real estate. And today I'm at a global data insights company. I've worked my way up through a variety of roles from analysis, I've done technical investigations, and then I've worked my way into management. And it's all mostly centered around insider threat investigations, insider risk, as well as some broader cybersecurity operations and management. So currently, I am the senior manager of global insider threat investigations investigations at TransUnion. You'll know them as the credit reporting agency. But of course, I'll make the disclaimer that anything I share today, it's my own thoughts. I'm not representing TransUnion for this podcast. My strengths are in strategy, relationships, influence, and it translates really well into the investigations niche I've found myself in cybersecurity, where you have to be really creative, think through the motives and the actions of people, conduct interviews, figure out where there might be worthwhile information or evidence for a case and then convince people to share it because oftentimes you're not necessarily the owner of that data and you have to pull all these puzzle pieces together very thoughtfully, which when you think about running a business, it's kind of similar, all the same kinds of challenges, right? But when I started in cybersecurity, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with cybersecurity. It was just a hot field at the time. I just knew that my role previously as a graphic designer for the government, it just wasn't serving me. It wasn't enabling me to have the kind of lifestyle I wanted for myself. And quite frankly, I just needed to make more money. And I knew that there was money in demand for talent in cybersecurity. And it was really just sheer luck. Shortly after earning my master's in security and resilience studies, I focused on cyber policy at Northeastern University. I had met this woman and she had been hired to build out an insider threat program at one of my previous workplaces in I, I thought it was super interesting. I just really dove into that and have been focused on it ever since. I believe that the success that I found in switching from graphic design to cybersecurity could be replicated and that I could help other women like me who are unsatisfied and struggling in their careers to change their trajectory over into this lucrative and super exciting field of cybersecurity. There's just such a diverse array of roles that really allows for anyone of any background to translate and to find a place here. Thank you for the introduction. While you were talking, I was thinking, oh my God, like 10 years ago, we almost had no insider threat discussion, no such roles, no such way to get to cyber. To get to cyber, you usually need to go to IT, maybe move servers, spend a lot of time in incident response. And right now there are so many different positions to be in cyber. You don't only have to be in IT or in SOC. You can do policy, as you mentioned, you can do insider thread, you can help people, you can teach people. So this is an amazing field to be. And also, as you mentioned, it's an amazing place to move from a variety of other roles to be in cyber as well. Now, you kind of already tipped 
not the motivation to start your own company. You didn't share the name of the company. So maybe you can share the name of the company. And what actually happened in your life that triggered you like, oh, I want to find and start this company. Yeah. My company is Hacker and Heels. And as I had mentioned, I saw the opportunity to help other women like me and help them work through an experience similar to mine and making that career transition from whatever they're doing into cybersecurity. And Hacker and Heels is this just really unapologetic community designed to help more women thrive in their cybersecurity careers. And we have a couple programs of a membership community called Insiders, and hopefully we'll soon have some one-on-one coaching as well. And we're really just focused on disrupting this industry because when we intentionally pave the way for women to gain access to what is arguably some of the highest paying careers and have a position of authority in an industry like cybersecurity, we're setting a different standard for the way that our processes, our systems, and our overall working culture in cyber is constructed. And that will really help generations to come. Our society will become just inherently more secure because of Our operations within cybersecurity will be intentionally built by more diverse professionals with those varied skills, those competencies and experiences. And you mentioned it was just 10 years ago. You looked at what the field was 10 years ago and what it is today. And then you think of other fields that have significantly longer history in finance and healthcare and stuff like that. And you look at what has happened with those disciplines because there hasn't been a presence of diverse representation historically. In finance, we've seen what has happened when you've got a particular identity responsible for all the money in the world, right? In healthcare, we've seen what has happened when you have such medical focus on a singular identity, how it leaves out treatments and protections for people who don't fit a one type person. And I think the same can be said about cybersecurity. If we're continually designing cybersecurity solutions for a singular particular persona, which is typically your straight white cis male type persona that everything seems to default to, we leave out the opportunities of protecting so many other people who interact with businesses and systems and applications and things that these cybersecurity teams are charged to try to defend and protect. So looks like you knew the idea will work because you knew there are so many different women that would like to be in cyber. But you had an approach in your mind that you probably want to validate if the way you're going to create the business will work. So what did you do to actually understand and validate the idea? Yeah, that's a great question. I had that gut feeling. We all have the gut feeling when we go out to start something like, this is needed, this is necessary, I wish I had this, right? But the reality is, it's not a sure thing. Just because it's attractive to you doesn't mean it's going to be attractive and interesting to a wide enough market to build a business off of. And in order to kind of validate that idea, honestly, I stalled for a while because I didn't even know where to start. I was too focused on making sure I had the perfect sales pitch and the perfect website and the perfect messaging and really had everything set up to be the most attractive, authoritative source on cybersecurity careers and how people could transition into this industry. And that just wasted time and burnt money. What ultimately ended up helping me and validating my idea was just going out there and actually talking to people and selling that product, selling the idea of change makers of a six-week program that could help you understand what it is you're looking for out of your next career and how cybersecurity could be that match. 
and and bringing people into it before it was actually ever completely built. Um, my selling was done with a Google Doc and handwritten Facebook posts on my personal page. And I sold the first round out, the beta program. There wasn't a single module built of that six-week course before I'd collected everybody's money. But that also gave me so much flexibility to be able to tailor what the experience was to the people who bought into it and made sure that at the end of it, they would get exactly what they were looking for because we had the conversations about what they were looking for and what they needed and whatnot. And I could work that in as we went along and make adjustments as we went along. It's a lot harder to do that when you already have a polished, finished project that you've spent weeks, months, years building into trying to make it perfect ahead of time. And it's a lot easier to take that agile approach and just build as you go and really, again, keep your eyes and ears and your focus on what are my customers telling me what they want and giving it to them, not the other way around. So this is an interesting point you're bringing. And I have this question I ask people about chicken and the egg. Do you create a product you have in your mind or what's the customers asking for you? Because every person is different. Everybody asks for something else. In the end of the day, are you going to go and say, oh, because this person wants I'll do this? Or because I think this is important, I'm going to go stick with my model. Yeah, it's a bit of an art form. Right. There's not a science. There's not a I should listen to them this amount of time and I should do my own thing this amount of time. I kind of think back to I think it was like Steve Jobs who had talked about how people didn't know that they needed the iPod. So he had to just go ahead and give it to them. There was no one was asking for the iPod. Similarly here, to a degree, no one was asking for how to transition into a career in cybersecurity. But there are a lot of people out there asking, what do I do? My job isn't currently serving me. I feel like I'm meant to do something else. What are my options and what are my avenues, right? And so I could go a little bit with that seed and then marry that with what I understand of the industry and trying to combine those things together to come up with a solution that not only met some of those needs and desires for clarity, but also what I knew People needed to know about the cybersecurity industry if they were going to try to go that route. So chicken or egg, it, it all depends. I think it's really situational. It's not something that it's going to be an either or. So how do you know you're doing it right? It takes a really long time before you know if you're doing it right. Do you ask the students? Did you ask the people? Did you learn something? Did you learn what you wanted? Because people are very polite and they'll say yes until you understand it actually. No, but just then trying to be polite. Yes. My programs, I really didn't have validation that I was doing it right until several years later. Because look, like we're a company that is focused on helping women make that career switch into cybersecurity. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's not something that you can come do this six-week program, earn a certification, and then really a year from now, I... It, potentially can take longer than that to really get your first position in the cybersecurity. You might need to go do additional education and training and whatnot. And so our first person, our first success story took about two to three years before we were able to say and have the experience of, we have a woman who was formerly a fashion designer living in New York City, just wasn't working out for them. The pandemic even 
double down on just how much it just wasn't going to be her future. Decided cybersecurity was interesting to her, did our programs, went on to go do NYU's program to earn a, a cybersecurity, like a cybersecurity bootcamp type program, and then got her first job. That was August of last year. And again, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. We still have women that have gone through our programs and are still trying to land that first role because at the end of the day, our business, like some of it is within our control, but ultimately landing a job in cybersecurity takes as much luck as it does the skill and the passion and the drive. I collect feedback regularly and I have people who renew their membership, who come back each and every month. I really focus on that and I hold on to that to know that as long as we continue to have those good signs and, and that positive feedback, then the true indicators of success of actually being able to say we've placed five women, 15 women, we're a hundred women now have transitioned into cybersecurity thanks to the types of programs that we offer. That's going to come in time. But unfortunately, we live in a world that expects massive numbers and massive results in an instant. And that's just, we're playing the long game here. So you mentioned it takes a number of years to get the validation that it's working well. So you need to be very confident or very rigid or determined to actually do what you do. Is there something you help yourself when you have a bad day? Yeah, when I have a bad day, I just go back into the community and have the conversations with the women who are part of it. And they are always quick and helpful to share with me how, and even unsolicited, share how our weekly study hours are helping them advance, helping them earn their certifications, how the monthly connection calls are introducing them to new people they never would have had the opportunity to have conversations with and new concepts that help them in furthering their career in technical cybersecurity ways and even in the non-technical leadership and personal development type ways. When I get to talk with them and, and honestly over time see these women and how they have changed since the day that they joined us as an insider, I just lean back on that. And I remember that I'm making real changes in people's real lives, especially thinking to the major success story of the woman who switched from fashion design into cybersecurity. I mean, this is a woman who at most maybe would be making $50,000, a year in a very high cost of living city is now set on a path to create multiple six figures as she continues to progress her cybersecurity career. And that can have massive effects should she choose. And as we know, statistically, women do choose to reinvest that money back into their communities and can reinvest it into causes that can further support underrepresented individuals. It's amazing. We always talk lately in cybersecurity, there is no black and white, there's no cookie cutter. We cannot just have everybody doing the same. And I'm a big supporter of understand a person's history, past from background, to understand how what I can recommend to them to do in cyber before just tell them what should you be doing. Because what I did doesn't mean going to work for you. So what is your approach? How you understand what is the best way to recommend to a person of what they potentially can do in cyber? I like to understand what their strengths are, what they're interested in, and what ultimately what they want out of a career. Because too often we assume, and rightfully, we're all working to make money, right? We make money so we can pay to put a roof over our head, to put food on the table and whatnot. 
but it's to varying degrees depending on the individual. Some people, their main motivation is that money. They want a high salary. They want to be rewarded by money. Everything they do, they correlate success with more and more money. Other people, yeah, they want enough money to put a roof over their head, but what they really want is the flexibility to be able to work on their own terms, to perhaps work a flexible schedule or dependably cut out after 5 p.m. So that's very different than the go-getter. We call them a fire starter, that person who will like work, work, work to earn more and more money to validate that they're super awesome at what they do and everything like that. Those people also tend to burn out. That's the bad side of it. You don't want a bunch of people like that. You want some people who know and are consistent of, I'll be here and I'll be everything you need between the hours of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. And then I'm out and I go and recharge and I spend time with my family and stuff like that. And then there's other profiles too. There's, we call them passion profiles. They're created by an organization called Clarity on Fire. They're certified career and life coaches. And so we really dig into that a lot and try to understand that first. Because then when you look at different roles within cybersecurity, you could have very different schedules and expectations depending on what the role is. If you work in audit, sometimes it gets a lot of last minute requests to dig up evidence to satisfy a cybersecurity audit. If you are working in incident response, you could get a call after hours. But if you're in more of a shift schedule, if you're in a SOC where there's handoffs and expectation that you're going to work the shift and then afterwards you hand it off to the next analyst and they can take it from there, you might be able to achieve a little bit more of a balance and a better boundaries. It's too often a lot of the marketing material around cybersecurity pigeonholes people into a particular type of role in cybersecurity. Usually it's like a SOC analyst. Like you want to go to cybersecurity, you start as a SOC analyst. And then with women, they usually put them into governance risk and compliance as well as potentially a starting role of the audit. But the reality is that just might not make sense for them. It might not make sense from what they want out of their career. It might not make sense for them into how they learn either and how they want to acquire and how much time they want to spend in building their cybersecurity skills. Depending on their background and where they're coming from, positions in cybersecurity require more or less technical experience. I transitioned directly into a process engineering type role. So it's easy for me to take a background in graphic design focused on data visualization and communicating information and applying that to, okay, tell me about your vulnerability management program. What's the first step? What's the second step? I didn't actually have to understand vulnerability management. I just needed to understand how to ask questions of people to get them to tell me what I needed to know to then draw out what they needed from me. So didn't require much cybersecurity background to break in, certainly helped me acquire more more cybersecurity knowledge once I was in there, but I couldn't do that with a soft position. I couldn't just show up with a limited background in cybersecurity and be able to start triaging alerts and reading logs and stuff like that. You need a little bit more education. And so there's a lot of different factors we have to explore. It's not a clear answer, but the internet and what's out there, and especially the bootcamp marketing and stuff will make you believe differently. Thank you for the answer. I think it's a very good answer. I personally spend a lot of my time in professional services. In the firewall world, you go to customers, deploy firewalls, architect them, and in many cases, stay overnight working on support and issues. So I understand the idea of you beginning your day and you don't know when you're going to be coming back. We're going to transition to what I call the dark side. When we talk more about the dark stories, you definitely don't need to mention names. But tell us a bit of the days when you're like, oh my God, I hate this work. I want to just close the shop, go home and do something else. Yeah, there's definitely been those days. I think 
I had it a little while back where this was before we had that first success story. And I was just overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed because I work in this field for eight hours a day. And then I go and I coach women for several more hours thereafter with Hacker and Heels. It's very hard to want to show up after you just put in an eight hour day when the eight hour day itself went terribly. Unfortunately, I've had terrible experiences in cybersecurity without going into detail, but we all know of the challenges out there of particular types of managers and leadership styles and company priorities and people not understanding the risk. And then you overlay that with struggles when it comes to being a minority in the field and those types of issues and expectations. Unfortunately, it's just as prevalent in cybersecurity as you hear about in other industries when it comes to discrimination and harassment. So you experience those kinds of things. And then at the same time, you have to muster up all the energy and excitement to go into your business where your purpose is to go excite more women to come into this very area that's just not even serving you at this point. Those days can be really tough and have made me doubt, what am I doing? Why would I be inviting someone into this space where I'm not safe or I'm being attacked or I'm being discriminated against and having these problems myself? And I always have to go back to this idea and the fact that it's not going to change if we don't change the representation of the field. Until we get more women and more diverse representation in the field, these things are going to continue to happen. When we let people get away with discrimination and harassment, it just enables it to continue going on. The solution is not to give up. You can't give up. You can't walk away from it. If you do that, they win. And so we just have to help people overcome those situations, build that resilience in this field to overcome that and to ultimately get to those positions of power and authority and influence where we can change the underlying systems that enable that behavior in the first place. That's what I hold on to that helps me continue to show up day after day and to remind myself, hey, I'm not over here trying to advocate for women to put themselves into a bad situation. It is so important for me to be very upfront about the state of the industry. And I think that's what differentiates Hacker and Heels from a lot of other cybersecurity organizations and organizations that are doing similar work to Hacker and Heels. They paint it as sunshine and rainbows and come in here and it's a great time and you're going to make a lot of money and everyone, you know, is looking forward to having you. And then you get in and it's the cutthroat, there's the discrimination, you're underleveled, you're overworked, all that kind of stuff. And you're like, what the heck? No one told me about this. And when it happens to you and you feel like you're the only one that it's happening to, you feel like you're going crazy. And guess what? The exit stage left. And I feel personally empowered and capable and like it's my charge to help women overcome the situation. Be like, no, it's all right. This happens to everybody. You will overcome this. You will survive this. And then you'll get the next role. You'll get the next promotion. You'll grow your skills. And eight, nine, 10 years later, you'll realize that was nothing. That did not define you. You are more than that. This industry needs you. All that hype girl stuff. We need more hype girl in cybersecurity. <laughs> thank you for sharing like the very interesting and good answer. This is thank you for coming to the podcast. Anything else you want to share? I would just say that, as I had mentioned, Changemakers is one of our programs. It's our flagship program that helps 
helps women do that exploration about whether or not cybersecurity is a good fit for them, could be a good fit for them. Definitely, please feel free to connect with us on Instagram, on LinkedIn. Our website is hackerandheels.com. Send us an email anytime. It's just me. I am the sole person, as I mentioned, running this company, bootstrapped it and really doing it out of my passion and charge for getting more women into this field because I strongly believe that it's absolutely vital for the security of our society and can really make a world of difference if we can get more women into this field while it's still in its infancy. So I hope you'll join us. Awesome. Everybody listening, thank you very much. Please continue to subscribe and share the podcast.